When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name's Rich Spear and I'm joined down the line from Australia by none other than Martin Wanless. How are you this afternoon, this evening? It is for you, Martin. It is this evening, Rich. No, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Great, yeah, tired, coffeeed up. <laughs> Not sure I'm going to be coherent, but I'll just let you talk. And uh, talking of people who can uh, talk for England, uh, <laughs> we're also joined from Bolden by Gav Henderson. How are you this morning, mate? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, very good, very good. Ready to talk about Sunderland. I've been a bit bored the last few days with no football, so uh, this is a welcome addition to my morning. So, yeah. Definitely, yeah. It's been a strange one, isn't it? So, I've had three games over Christmas. Uh, not as busy as it as it would have been or could have been. Should have had Fleetwood, but obviously that's off with COVID in their ranks. But we have had three games. Uh, 5-1 defeat away at Arsenal. We've had a 3-0 uh, win away at Doncaster, which I know you were at, Gavin, you thoroughly enjoyed and a 5-0 home victory against Sheffield Wednesday, which we talked about earlier in the week. Martin, how do you see the Christmas period overall, I guess the general level of performance and and where you think it leaves us as a club? I think we've had a really strong Christmas. And I think, you know, if we all sat here at the start of December, which we did, if you go back and listen to podcasts that we did a month or so ago, and what we kind of thought and hoped would pan out over the, the next four or five weeks, it's kind of followed what we hoped would happen. We've, you know, performances have been good, results have been good. And to do it with the amount of injuries that we've had and the amount of sort of upheaval in, in the squad, I think it's been fantastic. And like, you know, it's, it's not that long ago since we um, we got knocked out of the cup by Mansfield, didn't we? And the whole Johnson out sort of thing started to pick up a little bit of, you know, a little bit of traction on social media with a, a vocal minority. And we since then, since that Ipswich at home game, We've done absolutely superbly well, so it all augurs well for a, a good 2022, I think. Certainly, and I think uh, that the point you make about like how we've dealt with injuries, I, I think, is actually probably the, the key theme of this period. You know, dealing with only having 13, 14 first-team players available, depending on how you define that. But they've done really well, haven't they, Gavin? And they've come through almost looking stronger than at the beginning of December as we go into January now. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's to do with the smaller squad. I, I, I know when Nick, we had Nick Barnes on the other week, he mentioned that he'd heard Lee Johnson likes a smaller squad. You can certainly see why, because he's able to, to galvanise them in a way maybe he isn't able to with a bigger squad. But regardless, I think you've just got to give him and the coaching staff and the players the utmost credit because it was a difficult period to go into. 
I mean, I know a lot of teams, especially in the last few weeks with COVID, have been hit pretty hard in terms of squad numbers. But we've done it and haven't complained about it. Like a lot of clubs and a lot of managers have came out, not just in League One, but in the Premier League, and have complained about how they've got hardly any players available and, and really kicked up a stink about it. Sunderland were struggling for numbers, what, two months ago? We've, we've, mm-hmm. been, we've not really had that many options in the last few months to call upon, yet we've just gone about our business. We, we rode through a sticky period and we've came out of it at the other end with you know, some fantastic results, fantastic performances, good league position. I mean, if, if had we played Fleetwood, could well be top of the league, I would have thought we would be top of the league because we would beat them the way we're playing at the minute. So, you know, you, you can't complain, really. I think, I think this is as good as it possibly gets. I mean, yeah, I mean, just before that Arsenal game, we probably um, could have got more from Ipswich. We didn't have a very good first half, but had a really strong second half. The Oxford game, yeah, we maybe could have won that. But, I mean, you're going to have games like that. And that that's really what people have to remember. We are going to draw games. We are going to lose games between now and the end of the season because we're only halfway through. But other than that, really, you've just got to look at December and think, what a, what a fantastic month it's been for us. We're, I think we're eight unbeaten in the league now. I know we got the scoreline would suggest that we got battered by Arsenal in the Cup, but we came out of that game with so much praise, not just from Sunderland fans, mm-hmm. but from fans of all clubs. I, I don't really think December could have gone much better to set us up for a strong January. And I think when you look at what we're trying to do in January, and I know we're going to come on to transfers and stuff, but those performances, particularly on TV, the Doncaster and Arsenal games, there were a couple of players in the stands at the Chef Wed game watching us. That's a fantastic sort of advert for the club, how we play, what the atmosphere is currently like around the team. And I just think we're in a really good place. I can't complain. I think anybody who has any qualms about the way things are going right now is, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't understand anybody complaining about where things are because we have been top-notch. And Lee Johnson, like I say, deserves so much credit for turning things around after that sticky patch he had at the end of October. Yeah, I think one of the things I've been most impressed by is like how... We've kind of stuck with, I know what you know. People don't, don't like the the way he talks, but the philosophy that Johnson talks about and how this small group of players is really playing that philosophy, and it does actually work. And they've added a little bit of steel to it as well, and a little bit more competitiveness in the middle of the park. Um, obviously, Pritchard's been kind of key to that, hasn't he, Martin? And the overall style of play. When we look back over, the, I guess, the course of the year and where we were a year ago, it's it's like night and day, isn't it? Just in, in terms of the way we play football, it's it's much more attractive. Well, it's a joy to watch. You know, the, yeah. the Sheffield Wednesday game, the Doncaster game, you sat there all day and watched us knock the ball around. We were, you know, playing with confidence. We were playing with style. We've got players who you want to see get the ball and use the ball well. And even in, in the Sheffield Wednesday game, like, Elliot Embleton, who hasn't had a great deal of luck in, he had a you know good start of the season, but he's been on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I think since that Gillingham game, where he got he got a red card, didn't he? He's been he's been sitting on the bench on the periphery of things. Even he he's such a talented player, and you want him to get the ball because he's got such good close control and create something. Mm-hmm. And you know he's having to get the ball when he can because Pritchard's so good on the ball and Ross Stewart's so good on the ball and all these players that we've got and you know they are fantastically good to watch. But, you know, going back to what you said at the start of that question, Rich, in terms of the philosophy of the, the club and how we're playing and the, the playing style, I think it's such an important thing that Lee Johnson wrote out that sticky spell, as Gav put it, because it just re-emphasizes the players that overall 
the club has a strong belief in that philosophy. It's not weasel words that'll get thrown out the minute something bad goes mm-hmm. or something bad happens or something goes wrong. It's actually a philosophy that can be believed in. And I think the fact that we've ridden out that bad spell gives the players confidence to buy in even further into what Lee Johnson's doing. And I think it was it was either Ross Stewart or Alex Pritchard in, in, in an interview either after the Doncaster game or Chef Wed game made the point that the players are really enjoying playing football. The players are really enjoying playing for the club. And I think that's such an important element mm-hmm. that, you know, they've, they've got confidence, they've got trust that it's not going to be up, upturned overnight if we get a bad result or we go on a, a little run of, of not so good results. Now, this is a long-term thing. And I think that also gives a lot of confidence, prospective signings coming in, that this isn't a club that's going to be turned upside down in three months. Mm-hmm. It's something that they can buy into. And I think all of that coming together, we're seeing the, the results on the pitch, which, as you say, it's, it's great to watch. Yeah, certainly, as Gaff said, you know, if you've got players sitting in the stands, people, you know, looking at where they might want to make their move or, or managers looking at where they might want to let their young prospects go and, and develop, it's a place where you can come, you can play football, you can really develop your game and you can really make the most of playing a, a style of player that is attractive and fun. And I think that element, yeah, it's something that can't be kind of understated, the enjoyment that players want to get out of the game. That's Sorry to butt in, All right, that's I... a big thing. That's a big thing in the modern game as well when you think sort of this generation of footballer now, they've all pretty much came through an academy system. So they're very much used to that professional upbringing, being in, working in professional facilities, being coached in a modern way. It's that, that sort of... Even in League One now, the majority of players have came through an academy. So that generation before them, a lot of them might have came through non-league or um, at clubs where they didn't really have a solid academy set up. So when you're, say, like look, Alex Pritchard, for example, he came through at Tottenham, very professional setup, played at England youth level. So, uh, you know, he, he he's had a good upbringing in football. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really had a tough time of it when he was a young'un. So when he comes to Sunderland and he sees these facilities are as good as what I'm used to, it's a big sell. That's like when you're looking at Rotherham and Wigan in our league, they can't offer that to players. Mm-hmm. Sunderland have such a, a big advantage when it comes to what we can actually offer. And Lee Johnson talks about this all the time. He, he talks about being able to offer a Premier League environment to players where they mm-hmm. might not otherwise get one. I mean, even in the Championship, if you look at the Championship, I don't think there'll be many, if any, clubs can really offer what we can. So it's just the whole package at the minute. So we've always had that academy. We've always had that big fan base. We've always had the big stadium. What we haven't always had is the, the footballing philosophy to attach yeah. to it and to sell the players. And now we have. I think that gives us such a leg up when it comes to transfer windows. I mean, I know it might be looking a bit too far ahead, but when we do get back to the championship, I, I think that puts us in an unbelievable position as a football club to recruit the best players available to championship clubs. So right now, I mean, when you're seeing us link to the likes of Patrick Roberts, for instance, and again, we'll come on to that later, but there's a player who's like Pritchard, never really had a difficult upbringing in football. He came through at Man City where he's probably had everything that he's ever needed. And I think that when you're trying to attract a certain calibre of player, that, that that's the ultimate really. And it's going to give us such a big advantage over our competitors. And all we've got to do during January is keep on banging the same drum, keep keep winning games, keep playing in the same way with a fearless nature and giving players like Pritchard and Embleton and our own academy players like Dan Neal and players like Sirkin, who've came from Tottenham, is another player you can point to as somebody who's came from a, a an elite background, 
to Sunderland, mm-hmm. we can point at these players and go, look, there's your evidence. If you come to Sunderland, that could be you. You could be playing every single week and enjoying your football. And I just think it's brilliant. I think we've got such a, a big advantage going into this window because of that. Well, it's the first window that we've actually had it for a while, isn't it, Gav? Because I, yeah, we've had this reputation of being a basket case of a club. We've always had the facility. Well, for the last 20 years, we've had the facilities, we've had the ground, and we've had the reputation of being an absolute basket case. And hopefully the past, what, 12, 13 months now, you know, it's, it's less than 12 months since Kirill Louis-Dreyfus took the club over. Speakman and Johnson have been in there for just over a year. But, like, we're hopefully kind of changing people's perception of what we are as a club because for far too long we had that reputation. And, and really, play, and we saw it, didn't we? Players were coming because we had nice facilities and had a, a decent paycheck. And that was kind of the, the motivation for them coming. And hopefully now there's a lot more pull to come to Sunderland than ever was for the last, well, well, since probably Peter Reid was manager. The other factor we have to think about as well for the future is is retention, because obviously over the Christmas period, with the games being on Sky and the attention uh, that the Carabao Cup uh, quarterfinal got in particular, um, Dan Neal's performance was picked out by the pundits, by a lot of people who maybe hadn't seen us play in League One this season were exposed to the new Sunderland for the first time and obviously Dan Neal is right at the centre of that kind of revolution. Keeping hold of players like Dan Neal, do you think the the setup at the academy um, is going to be what keeps him? The football and philosophy, Gav, or is it is it just his, his loyalty to the club? And if you know an offer does come in, what, what level do you think that offer is going to have to be if it is to prize him away from, from his boyhood club? Yeah, I've, I've done a bit of thinking on this recently and I think that oh, this might not go down well, but I just think that one thing we probably have to get used to with this sort of, the way things are now with the club, is that players are going to leave. They are, mm. because that's the only way you become self-sustaining. It's the only way you redevelop. Now, whether it's the right time to sell Daniel is a totally different question. Clearly, he's he's only sort of partway into his journey as a footballer this season. He's played pretty much every game since pre-season started. You can see that he's improved massively as a result. So clubs are going to be looking at him and thinking, I want a bit of that. Now, it's whether clubs can make an offer that is tempting enough to let let them go. Now, say, for instance, I don't know, a Burnley came in. We could be playing them next season. Do you really want to go there? Mm-hmm. It, they they can't match us for fan base, for, for stadium size, for, for academy facilities, training facilities. They can't. You know, Burnley are, are a Premier League club in, club in name, but... Once they drop out of that, they're, they're, they're one of many in the championship. So they're the one that's been named. That's the only reason I bring them up. But say it's a big club in the Premier League, it's difficult. Mm. But obviously the financial package has got to be good. It's difficult. I, I don't ever want to see him leave Sunderland. Mm. I wish he would stay here for, for as long as possible and grow with us. But I, if a good offer comes in, I'm already sort of priming myself for offers coming in for our better players over the next year or so and the club considering it. And I think if you you look at, say, Brentford, they've done a very good job of doing this. They've done well with selling players and then sort of bringing in the next one to sort of replace and develop again. And I think that's where we're going to be heading. Whether that means it's a good idea to sell Dan Neal, I don't know. I think it's just naturally he's going to receive a lot of attention at the minute because he's clearly very good. And the more he plays and the more he keeps scoring goals and grabbing assists and probably playing for England at youth level. We're going to get even better clubs coming in for more attention. And I think, ultimately, whatever happens, it's got to be right for the club and right for the player, not yeah. right for the buying club. So, you know, if a Chelsea or a Liverpool or a Man City come in, 
can we really stand in his way? It's it's tough, isn't it? Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll we'll come to that when it happens. I think at the minute, if I'm Dan Neal and I'm his, maybe his family and the people advising him, I'm telling him to stick with Son until the end of the season anyways because them offers will still be there in the summer uh, if he carries on the way that he's going. And I think, to be honest, he's loving it. You can see it. He absolutely loves playing for Sunderland. It's his club. But, you know, if it's a situation like we had with Jordan Henderson where it's a Liverpool comes in or, or, or Pickford with a with an Everton who were a decent club at the time, it is going to be tough to stand in their way. So, yeah, I think we've just got to play it by, yeah. But ultimately, yeah, it's got to work in the club's favour. Otherwise, I wouldn't even consider it. Like I say, Burnley, no disrespect. They've been a regular fixture in the Premier League for God knows how many years now. But... Like I say, we could be playing them next season in the Championship. And in the Championship, we are a bigger club, a better sell to players. We're probably going to have you know, a better chance of, of progressing up the leagues than they will. I don't think that's an appealing move to anybody. So let's just hope it with Dan Neal and we can retain him until the summer and worry about it then. Because this was the, the model that was sold, isn't it? That you know, we'll, we'll bring players through, we'll sell them on, we'll reinvest, we'll, we'll do it incrementally and it doesn't matter about one particular player. Or is Neil that kind of player where he has to be the linchpin as a local lad, has to be the linchpin who you keep and who, who drives the, the whole development of the club? I think the the negative that would come with any transfer of Dan Neil, unless it was for probably as much or more than we sold Pickford or Henderson for, the negative um, atmosphere that would create and yeah. put a downer on, on everybody. And I think that's going to be something that people weigh up as well. I think it's, I think it's completely one thing you know, buying somebody from, you know, the Irish leagues or somebody like Roberts, if we get him on a permanent deal where you bring him in on a on a free or a, a low fee, develop him for two or three years and sell him on. I think to sell Dan Neal, who's been talked about for a few years, coming up through the youth team, who's finally got a chance, who's 19-year-old. He's not 22, 23, 24. He's 19-year-old. He's six months into his professional career. I think to sell him now, you know, as, as he... Lads have said, like three million from Burnley isn't any sort of an offer that you'd remotely consider. He brings so much more to the club than just what he's doing on the football field right now. And he's so much more valuable to the club in the longer term than he is right now. The other interesting aspect to it is as a player for Dan Neal, where is he actually going to be best off developing? You know, we've had the perfect example with, with Broadhead coming here. Broadhead's 23, 24 year old. You know, he's made a handful of professional appearances. He's been lucky to sit on the bench in the Premier League. We've seen the quality of Broadhead in our team this season. And you couldn't say right now, Dan Neal is, you know, he's probably a similar level to, to Broadhead in terms of talent. Dan Neal will be looking at Broadhead going, shit, he's four years older than me and he can't get a kick in the Premier League. So I'm a better mm-hmm. off here playing 50, 75, 125, 150 games over the next two or three seasons, playing in front of 30,000 people. Am I going to be better off as a 22-year-old having that experience or sitting on the bench and getting a few loan moves out over the next two years. So I think there's all those aspects to consider as well. And I think you know the, the move would have to be incredibly tempting for Dan Neal as a regular first-team football player because he, you know, he, he risks being you know, stagnant for, for two or three seasons. Who in the Premier League could, say even next season, offer him regular game time? Because I'm, no I'm thinking about it. Possibly, a, would, would, there are clubs who give young players chances, though. I mean, Southampton do. Could see that, maybe. But, but in, terms of reg, in terms of regular football, Gav, even if he went to Southampton, for example, who give young players a chance, he might get 10, 10 games. Yeah. You know, he's not going to get that level of football. So, again, you look at, look at career progression. I would, you know, obviously, I'm 
I've got I've got a vested interest in this argument, but you'd kind of think that he's far better off playing the next two and a half years as a first team regular, hopefully in the championship for part of that. And then mm. you go on. Now you know you look at somebody like Callum Doyle. You saw him score on um, Thursday night, whenever it was, first goal, playing regular football. How is he going to go next season if he goes back to Man City playing in the 23s? It's not going to be a patch on what he's experienced this season. Mm. So you've got all of this to consider as well. And I, I think it would have to be a hell of a move for Dan Neal to be tempted by it. The other, the other side of it is Barley Mumba's the same age as Dan Neal. He left. I mean, it might have been pushed out of the club. I don't know, I don't really know. But Barley Mumba's played, if, if these figures are correct, he's played 19 professional games and 10 of them were at Sunderland. Yeah. Same age as Dan Neal. You know, warming the bench. All right, he's in the Premier League with Norwich, but he's not getting a game. He's played one one game in the in the league this season, and I think that was the if I remember rightly, that was right at the start of the season against Man, Man City, City where he got yeah. absolutely tortured playing fullback, which is you know nothing on the kid. He he needs experience. Mumba does, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that's that's a good sort of thing uh, pointer really. Bali Mumba, same age, came through at the same time. He's he's went to a club who who Norwich to be fair give kids chances. And the opportunities just haven't been there for Mumba. It's not to say there wouldn't be for Neil, but what it does show you is sometimes the grass isn't always greener. And maybe, like you've just said, Martin, maybe for his his benefit, he's better off playing 100, 150 games for Sunderland before a better offer comes along eventually. And I wouldn't begrudge him it. Like I've, I've got absolutely no qualms about letting Dan Neil leave if it's to go to a club where he's going to play regularly at the top end of the game. We can't offer that at the time. So if we're like middling in the in the Championship or God forbid still in League One and there is a Premier League club like what happened with Henderson and, and Pickford where they've gone there and they've played regularly you can't begrudge them it's that because it's, it's a much bigger offer but if, you went to, if you went to Coventry right for two and a half million this transfer window which hasn't been rumoured I've just completely made that up off the top of my head but that would fit in with the model right that would fit in with bringing players through selling them for a, a bit of money reinvesting it you could make all of those arguments to it but that would be diabolically bad yeah. just as a club to sell them to a championship club or whoever it was for that sort of money because it just doesn't make sense on the footballing level. It might make sense on the business level, but it wouldn't make sense on the football level. Just coming back to something you were saying before, Martin, I think it's a really interesting point of comparison. You were saying about, obviously, you know, you can get to 23, 24 and haven't played a, a, a good amount of games. It, it does bring us on to one of the rumoured transfers or or somebody who was in the stands at the, the Sheffield... Wednesday game, which is Patrick Roberts from from Man City or Troy, uh, where he's been on loan. Now he's a he's a, a bit like a broadhead in terms of his age and being you know hotly tipped, had a couple of loan moves, but really hasn't had that much experience. And he's somebody who is we're looking at bringing in from the Premier League from the top flight to get that development. So I think that contrast as well might be quite interesting if bringing more players like that, you know, Sirkin, I guess, a bit younger, but a similar kind of stage in his development, possibly. It's actually a really good comparison with Roberts and Daniel because Roberts started at Fulham yeah, and had a few games impressed with Fulham. Man City spent 11 million quid on yeah, And he's played one game in four years. He's, you know, he's on on loan at Celtic for eighteen. I had a little bit of a look before him. Be on loan at Celtic for eighteen months. Had spells with Middlesbrough and Derby and Girona. He's he has played over hundred games in his career, so he's had a bit of experience. But that big move at a young age to a good club has led him to be to be sitting in the stands watching a, a third tier club play with a, a 
you know the option of a move to to them. So it's a it's a really good you know comparison in terms of what can happen because that career trajectory isn't always up. There's yeah. going to be some ups and downs in there, isn't there? But like to me, as Sunderland now, that would be a cracking sign, wouldn't it, Roberts? He's he's a player who's got immense potential. If we can land him on a decent deal, um, it, it could it, that could be pivotal in our season. Well, I asked, I've got a friend who's a Celtic fan, and I asked him about Roberts, and obviously that's pretty much the biggest chunk of football he's had was at Celtic over the, that two year period, and they absolutely loved him there. Thought that they they should have signed him when they tried to sign him. Man City made him a boatload of promises about first team football, and I think he might have got a new deal out of it, and it was never forthcoming. And you sort of look at it from there, and he's. He's gone from club to club, picked up. I mean, it, to be fair, when you look, he's played across a lot of leagues. He's played in the Championship, Scottish Premiership, La Liga, Premier League, back to the Championship. Then he's he's obviously over in France at the minute. So he's got a lot of experience for a young lad. But what's pretty evident to me is that given he's had loan spells from 2016 to now consistently, he needs to settle somewhere and he needs to play regular football. And... Sunderland right now are a are a brilliant prospect of a player like that because like like we said earlier you just point you just point Alex Pritchard don't you and you say look look at this guy he he sort of bounced from club to club and struggled to to sort of make an impact at his most recent club which I think it's fair to say that's happened with Roberts he hasn't played when he's been in France so he's obviously probably itching to play football but not getting the opportunity so you point to somebody like Alex Pritchard and you look at him just look at him you know. Took me a little while to get going, but when we've got him going, he's the best player in the league at the minute, and that's all we've got to do. We yeah, there's so much evidence there from, you know, we just point at these players and go, look, that's look at this guy, similar type of player as you, creative, you know, played at a high level, you know, went for big money at a young age. Look at him, look at him. He's he, right, all right. He's at Sunderland now. We're playing in League One, but he's the best player in the league. This is the environment we can offer you. We can give you the freedom to express yourself, score goals, create goals. You're going to have to work hard. Don't make no bones about it. But you come here and you work hard. You're going to play lots of football and you're going to succeed. And that is the best possible example we can we can produce. And to that, to me, that's why a player of that caliber is looking looking at a move to to League One because there's so much evidence to suggest we can be the best club for him. I wonder how much um, influence Lee Johnson's had on that already because he he spent time with with Man City and the City Group, hasn't he? In terms of working with the coaches and. You know, adv- uh, spending time observing the coaches. We saw him in the stands at St. James's Park a week or so ago with Brian Marwood, didn't we, at, um, yeah. at the, the Newcastle game? Um, and obviously, we've, he's done a great job with Callum Doyle so far this season. So I wonder how much of it's Man City going, you know what, for your career right now, that's a great move. That's a great manager to work with and he'll get you back on track. Yeah, it could well be. And I think, um, again, just going back to the earlier point about philosophy, the way that we play, they're playing out from the back. They're having a goalkeeper who can distribute the ball to to a player like Doyle who can carry it forward. All these things are what you know the top end of the Premier League clubs really want. Is what they the way that they play. Um, I think it makes us again this really attractive offer for young players. Now talking of young players, Trey Hume is that how you pronounce his first name? Correct, Trey? I think yeah. Trey Hume from Linfield scored in the last two games for Linfield as a fullback, uh, but it seems to be able to play across, kind of across the defence and possibly midfield as well. So very much a Johnson kind of player in that sense, can play in lots of different positions. Nineteen-year-old Northern Ireland under twenty-one international, 
What do we know about him? Only thing I really know about him is their fans absolutely love him, and so do the media. The sort of hype around him at the minute is an eighteen-year-old playing in a in a pretty poor league. To be fair, so I guess when a good talent does come around, they know it because there's probably a lot of bad players playing that league, and mm. when there's one that really stands out, you know, they sort of get a lot of hype. But it appears that he he is the next big thing waiting to happen out of that league, and we don't do that enough, really. A lot of good players come out of the Irish leagues and the Welsh mm. leagues, you know, a lot of them. At 18, 17, 18 year old come out and, and don't ever really tend to end up at Sunderland. I remember we we used we went through a, a spell, I think when Peter Reid was manager, we had a we had pretty strong ties to Ireland, didn't we? We had a lot of young players come over. I remember James McLean coming from coming from uh, I think it might have been Derry. Derry City. Could be maybe. wrong. Yeah. But he was spotted by Pop Robson years and years ago. But the, we don't often raid those leagues. We just mm. sort of look elsewhere. And that's where your value is in these smaller leagues, looking at the, the best young players coming through. Because when you look, like I say, through, throughout the championship and the in League One, there were a lot of Irish players playing in our leagues, you know, and a lot of them started there. But Hume, from what I gather, is he's quick, he's good on the ball, likes to get forward, he works hard, pretty big lad. Just fits the mould by the looks of it. We, all, all we can really go on, and because there's not a lot of evidence and we don't really know how strong the Northern Irish League is, all we can really go off is the word of fans who watch the game regularly over there, fans of Linfield, journalists, and they're all raving about this kid. So, you know, I imagine we've been look, looking at him for a while. I imagine we've got scouts out there who, are, who, who have identified him possibly early in the season. Yeah, seems like a sensible bit of business. We definitely need a right back, don't we? We well, can't deny that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that kind of brings us on to the next part, really, which is right back, tick, you know, that's... Def- a definite need. Um, keep signing them. Keep getting injured. Hopefully, this lad can stay fit for the rest of the season, and he can really uh, kick on. Uh, Martin, where else on the pitch? You know, I think we've probably asked this before, but where else on the pitch? Given where we're at in terms of the squad, um, the injuries, the long-term injuries, where are we going to have to be looking to improve over this month? Because it's going to be crucial window, really. It is. Look, I think. Striker's the obvious one, isn't it? Obviously, Broadhead's picked up the injury and we don't know how long he's going to be out for, but whether the club decides to call it quits with his loan and get him back to Everton to free up some space um, for, for another loan to come in or we kind of think, well, he's only, he's going to be out for two and a half months and he's going to be back for the run-in, so we'll keep him around. That obviously depends on, on the longevity of his injury, but regardless, we're going to need somebody up front um, over the next two months at the very least. I would be very surprised to not see a, a striker come in on loan probably quite early in the window. Um, centre midfields, the other, I think it's kind of the spine of the team. Like centre midfield, if everybody's fit, we've got enough options, but Corey Evans isn't ever going to be always fit. Unfortunately, oh, nine's out for, you know, could be out for the season, could be out for the next two or three months. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a centre midfield player come in. And, you know, as much as we've, We've extolled the virtues of Dan Neal um, already on this pod. He's a young lad who's played a hell of a lot of football, probably a, a lot more football than was ever envisaged mm-hmm. him, him playing this season. So, you know, there's a the chance of him burning out. So I would like to see some cent- a centre midfield player come in. And then, you know, potentially centre-half. And, you know, I think a lot of this as well kind of depends on who moves out. And there could be some offers coming for players who are out of contract at the end of the season who the club have no intention of retaining. But, you know, there's 300 grand, 400 grand offer comes in for, I don't know, Tom Flanagan or somebody like that. 
how did the club weigh that up? Do they kind of go, mm. well, actually, we're not going to give him a new contract. We're going to, and we, we don't know if he's going to get a new contract off, but just theoretically, not going to give him a new contract. There's 400 grand on the table there. Do we take it? So centre-half, I think, could be could be one. I think we're kind of well covered in wide areas. If Certainly if Robert come, Roberts comes in, the Jacku's really sort of looking to to be an effective player. Sirkin and Yuma coming back from injury. Um, Gooch has been superb over mm-hmm. recent weeks. Bailey Wright, I never knew he could play out wide, but Bailey Wright can play <laughs> out wide, it seems. So, great great know, crosser there's, of there's the ball. Options. Great crosser oh, of the I ball. T- <laughs> I, he, he has surprised me so much how good a football player he is. Yeah. He's just a, a really nice football player. And yeah. you would never have seen that centre-half, would you? No, and and again, it's just how players can flourish here, isn't it? I, I mean, you've gone down the list of positions that I'd wrote down and, and oh, I go. put a tick against each one. Gav, uh, what what are you thinking about in terms of what, what we need? Is it that kind of, is it four four players in those kind of spine positions plus right back? I think five. I think five would, would be about right. Centre-half, right centre-half is definitely where we need to recruit because as, as Martin just mentioned there, you know, Bailey Wright and Flanagan, think their deals are coming up soon um but regardless we need somebody who can offer something a little bit more dynamic i think we need somebody who's big and strong and physical at center half we just don't really have they're all nice players on the ball and mm-hmm. you know but we've, we've seen where we've been exposed this season and it's been aerially and we, we we don't really have that option we're only halfway through the season anything can happen so ideally we need to sign somebody who can offer us that right back obviously trey hume happy enough with that and one player you didn't mention there who who was returning soon as Niall Huggins, who was a right back. Yeah. So we've got him coming back. Uh, centre mid, I think this position's important for a number of reasons. One, you can't rely on Corey Evans to stay fit. And the other one being we just don't have a big physical sort of anchor in midfield, someone who can hold the middle of the pitch for us. We don't have that player. Let's like say I'm pretty impressed with how the, how the centre mids are playing at the minute, but we still don't have a player with those sort of characteristics about them. So I think that's pretty important. We go out and we get somebody who's, you know, it's like a big old lump in the middle of the pitch, really, but somebody who's pretty good on the ball as well. And I know those types of players don't grow on trees, but that's why we have a scouting department to identify what we need. Um, mm. Other than that, Roberts obviously plays off either side. I think he can play as a 10. We definitely need one more player in that position. I know we've got Embleton and Pritchard and, and Gooch and Diak. We have some good attacking options, but I think one more is not going to hurt. I think everybody probably would have admitted maybe three or four weeks ago that we needed a left winger in. That hasn't really changed for me. I still think we need somebody. Uh, Embleton's sort of ability to stay fit is also in question. He doesn't tend to stay fit for longer than a month at a time. Pritchard, before he came here, was known as a bit of a as a bit of an injury prone player. I'm not to say that that's going to happen now, but worst case scenario, he gets injured. We're, we're left up shit creep without a paddle. We need we need somebody else who can play that position. Um and then a striker obviously we definitely definitely need a striker because Broadhead I think I know you mentioned before Martin about the, the severity of his injury I think there was a rumour wasn't there that uh, it's not as bad as first Fiat. he's not going to need surgery but it's looking at about two months even then if he gets up to speed you're looking at sort of the back end of the season before he's back so we, we're going to need a striker because you know if anything happens to Ross Stewart we're knackered and I think I've got a feeling Ian O'Brien might leave as well I so think, he's sort I think of, he will yeah yeah so Regardless of whether we need one or not, we we're probably going to lose O'Brien, let him go out somewhere and play football, and then obviously bring in a bring in a replacement. Now it's whether we bring in another sort of Stuart type for money who's come from a from a lower league 
who's been identified as somebody who can develop or we bring in a loan from a Prem team, I don't know. The one thing I would say, though, on the overall subject of transfers is that people probably need to temper expectations a little bit on how early we'll do our business because you've only got to look about what's going on at the minute. Teams are struggling from top to bottom in Premier League to EFL to, to field even 14 players at the minute mm-hmm. to, to get teams out for games. Um, and that's going to factor into a lot of this. I don't think players will move that often early in the window because even the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal and Man City are having to look to their to their young players to fill their bench out. And ultimately, their interests are more important than ours. So if we're in for a, I don't know, let's just say a right-back from Arsenal, they need that player on their bench more than they need them to send them to us. So what they'll probably do is, is wait till the back end of the window to let players go. So I think if we're looking at loans from Prem teams, we're going to struggle to get anybody before the sort of last week or so of the window, in my opinion. Yeah. So that leaves you with money being spent, I guess, at the start of the window. So Hume from Linfield. I can see the, the Robertstein deal being done pretty early because he's not getting a game in France. But I actually think there might be a bit of a gap between those two players coming in in the next sort of week, hopefully, and the rest of our business. And what I would say to people is you've got to, you've got to take into consideration all of these things that are going on in, in football and um, not get too flustered if sort of 10, 15 days before the end of the window we haven't got everything. Because as the summer showed, just look back the summer, everybody was up a height with how slow we seem to do things in the summer. But it wasn't mm-hmm. a case of being slow, it was a case of getting the right players in. So yeah. let's just remember that, I think, yeah. is the message. But I think I think the way that we're playing at the minute and the way that the, the players who are playing out of position are playing at the minute as well, it buys us that time, doesn't it? If we yeah. come into this January transfer window on the back of a, a string of bad results, everybody would be itching to get some new players in like now, wouldn't they? Um, and I think the fact that we're coming in in a good position off a strong set of results, and even if a player came in, chances are I'd be on the bench. Yeah. You know, he's not, nobody's going to walk into that team. So it's bought us a bit of time where we can be a little bit, you know, box maybe a little bit smarter in the, in the transfer window. And the signs that come in, they're going to be signs for the long term, not just going to be signs for the next three or four months. They're generally going to be signs for the for the long term, as we saw last January, as we saw in in August, and you know, we'll see it again now. And unless there's somebody spectacular comes available who can do a fantastically good job for the rest of the season, and that's it. But I think we're more likely to see players who will do the business over the next two or three years, or we have a chance of signing them after a loan spell. Um, it's going to be with a long term view, I think, rather than the short term view. Yeah, there's another factor that we have to think about here as well as we've got two decent footballers out on loan at the minute and and whether we want whether we'll be looking to bring back Josh Hawks and or Jack Diamond given the the fact that they both seem to be having decent seasons particularly Diamond seems to be you know on the score sheet reasonably regular for for Harrogate do you think Gav there's a, there's a a chance we'll bring those back to make up the numbers even in the short term over over January. Because we've seen Patterson, for example, going back to Notts County after coming coming back to Sunderland to to, to mm. maybe potentially fill a gap for even a few weeks. You think there's the a little bit of wiggle room there for, from Johnson in terms of what he does with the players out on loan? I don't think so. No, not unless we get some injuries in the wide positions because um, sort of Roberts plays the same position as Diamond on the left. So if we do get him early in the window, we're not going to really need Diamond. I think um, Hawks, does he have a future at Sunderland? 
Mm, so it might be better for him just to stay where he is. Um, but with Diamond, I think it's difficult because okay, he can play left or right, but at the minute we're actually pretty strong in those sort of positions. We don't really need anybody, so we could bring him back and he would sit on the bench for the rest of the month. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I think I'm a little bit more at ease with it than I was maybe three or four weeks ago. Back then, I thought, yeah, we definitely need him back because he's playing well and we need wide players. But then we've sort of seen players come back. We've got Sirkin and Hume coming back as well. Remember, both are getting minutes now off the bench. They're going to be ready probably to start. I would I would assume from the Wickham game, one of them will start. And if we're carrying on with this three at the back system with with two wide men, it probably means that we don't really need anybody on the left. So no, I would leave them where they are. If, however, we get three weeks into January couple of players go down injured in wide positions and we can't get Roberts in whatever reason that deal's collapsed or whatever, then it's something to consider. And I would be content with it because he's he's a good player. He's definitely done well where he is. And if he came here, he would contribute because he can play that sort of left wing back role pretty well. So, so no, at the minute, I think we just leave them where they are. Martin? Yeah, look, completely agree. And I think, you know, we, we've heard Christian Speakman talk about, I have an individual plans for, for every player and looking at their development as well as, the, the immediate results for the club. Jack Diamond seems to have had a, a great first half of the season on loan at Harrogate. I think him spending another, what, three or four months, four or five months there, as opposed to coming back to us, sitting on the bench, um, is is the best thing for him. And as Gav said, we're not in any desperate need for, for wide players at the minute. He's not. If he's going to come in and come straight back in the first team for the next four or five weeks, you'd go, yeah, bring him back in and reassess us at the end of January. But... Chances are he'd come back and sit on the bench. And even though we have been struggling for, for numbers on the bench, you saw Benji come on the other night, put a good performance in, score a nice goal. You know, there's no reason why why the other players who are who are on there can't do similar if they're given the chance. So I think unless anything changes in terms of injuries, um, I, I don't foresee him being recalled this season. Great. Well, there's loads of positives there in terms of um, transfers, potential transfers. And I think it's going to be an interesting month. We've got obviously got four fixtures coming up. Wickham, uh, Lincoln, I think, are the first two. Accrington. Accrington and then Portsmouth. Accrington and Portsmouth. So, and then, then Bolton around off the month. So. Ah, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a reasonably busy reasonably busy month, even though we haven't got a, a game this week. What do, what do you think, Martin, will be the, uh, you know, a good return from, from, uh, from January? Expecting, you know, to go unbeaten. Oh, look, um, not necessarily. No, I've, there's there's two elements to this. I, I I keep banging on about two points per game. And I think if you look at January's a chunk, mm-hmm. we've got five games there. So if we get ten points in January, we'll still be tracking all right come the end of January. So as I say, we've got Wickham away, which is going to be a hard game. Lincoln at home, Accrington away, Portsmouth at home, Bolton away. I think ten points out of those five games would be a good return. Now, how they come, you know, you could get a defeat in there somewhere. And it would still be all right. So I think it's it's one of those things. We, we we will lose because of the way that we play. We will lose a game now and again. But I don't think a defeat would be the end of the world. And I think you also look at it in terms of like the top six, seven, eight teams individually. How well are we doing against each of them in terms of taking points off each other? And you you never want to to be in deficit with with one of those teams. So like really, we need to beat Rotherham when when they come to the stadium alight. But you know we've got um, we've already got three points off Wickham, so if we can get a draw on Saturday, I'd I'd tell you what, I'd I'd take a draw now. I wouldn't be over the moon with it, but I'd quite happily mm. take a draw 
Because I think that keeps us ticking over and gets the month off to a decent start. I'd love to beat them on Saturday. I can't can't stand them, (laughs) to be honest. I just think anti-football. I know it's the way that Ainsworth's trying to get results out of his squad, but uh, they're not my my favourite team in the world. (laughs) Uh, Would you be happy with the the 10 points, Gav, or do you think we should be a little bit more ambitious than that, um, given the kind of form we're in? Uh, Yeah, I think 10 points is probably about right, because, like Martin said, two points per game. We're we're sort of tracking that at the minute. Um, I just think, though, the Wickham game... Oh, it's in particular that one. Just because they're there with us, I think we sh- we need to win it. Um, I mean, a, a, a draw wouldn't be the end of the world by any means. I'm not saying it would be, but I think if we can win that game, possibly go top of the league again, because that's also another thing, you know, psychologically being top of the division and letting everybody else chase us as opposed to the other way around. Uh, that's a big thing. Lincoln and Atrington, we should be winning both of those games, in my view. The yeah. toughest game of the month for me is Portsmouth, I think. They're in decent form. If you look at them over sort of the last 15 games, I think they're one of the most informed teams in the league. Um, they're going to be tough, even though it's at the Stadium of Light. So I think if you sort of isolate Wickham and Portsmouth out from the rest, we've got to win the other three, mm. definitely, mm-hmm. which would be nine points from, from those games. That then leaves us with the opportunity for a bit of leeway either side. But I, I just think psychologically you've got to be, maybe beat Wickham. And if we don't beat Portsmouth, it ain't the end of the world. But the important thing is we just take one game, and it's such a cliche, but we take one game at a time. We keep playing the way we are at the minute and we'll be fine. I can't see anybody living with us the way we're playing at the minute. Wickham are just, we know exactly what to expect from them, particularly in their own backyard. But we've shown in recent weeks, particularly, there's more aggression to us than we maybe realised. We're a lot more aggressive. We're winning the second balls. We're getting stuck in when we haven't got it. And when we do have it, teams can't live with the way that we play. And Wickham... For all that they have got going for them, they're a big, physical, strong outfit. We'll play them off the park if they let us have the ball. So I'm I'm pretty confident, actually, and I think that would be a good start. If we can get a three-pointer out of that, the rest of the month will, will play out just as expected, in my view. Yeah. The, the, the game against Wickham on Saturday relies on the referee being up to scratch. And oh, well, seen, <laughs> but yeah. it does, doesn't it? Because if, if the ref we saw it, you know, in, in a number of games this season, like the Charlton at home game stands out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? Where the referee lets a team get away with things that are, you know, probably should be penalised, and it just takes a step up, a step up, and a step up, and all of a sudden it turns into a battle and not a football match. And mm. you know, we saw it at the Wickham at home game where the lad gave O'Nine a right hook, didn't he? And didn't get spotted, and yeah. the referee missed it. So, like, the referee's got to be—I don't know who the ref is on. I'll, I'll have a look. It's, it's Mister A Clown. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, probably probably will be, won't it? given the standard that we've seen this season. But the referee needs to be on it because if if, if we don't get a strong referee, it could descend. But if, if we do get a good referee, it allows us to play our football, then it's a completely different proposition. Yeah, it's a funny one, Wickham, isn't it? It's, it's a small pitch from my memory. It's a tight ground. They play... It's their house, awful, isn't it? Awful football. Yeah, it's their house. Well, it is, you know, it's not much bigger than a shed, you know. But uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a funny place to go. And 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 I really hope you know whatever you know whatever team we put out whatever um you know the way the game goes and however the refs being that we do try and play them off the park because we did in August and we did last season when Phil Parkinson was manager you know we on our own patch we're very good against them but yeah obviously when you get down there it's a little bit different yeah definitely so um yeah there's plenty to look forward to 
um, this month. Uh, loads coming up on Roker Report website, and and loads of interesting kind of looks forward to the 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 rest of this month and the rest of this year as well. So, I'd like to wish all of our listeners uh, a happy new year. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Martin. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And cheers, Gav. For your time. Tara. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.